You can be opening your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 5. In our series of lessons on Sunday mornings, we are considering the essential doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do we believe what we believe? And why is it important for us to know what we believe and that it is truly God's will for us to know these things and why they're important for us to know as Christians? I want us to consider in this series five specific works of the cross of Jesus Christ. We've already considered one of them last week, but the five, I'll just give them to you and we'll study them one by one as we we get to them. Redemption, we considered last week. Justification, predestination, reconciliation, and sanctification. All of these are the result of Jesus dying on the cross for us. And of course, they're all directly related, and they all are interwoven, but they do emphasize different aspects of the work of the cross. Redemption that we had last week, it emphasizes our liberty. We've been set free from the cruel master of sin. We've been set free from its power and authority and dominion over our life. Justification that we're going to consider this morning, it emphasizes our right standing before our creator, before the judge of heaven and earth, the one who has the right to either condemn us or justify us. And so this doctrine is important for us to understand our justification. We'll look at predestination in another lesson, and that emphasizes our assurance. How do I know that I'm going to heaven? How can I be so confident that my destiny is heaven? Well, when you understand the doctrine of predestination, you understand that that was settled before the world began, before the foundation of the world. We'll consider that in that study. Reconciliation, it emphasizes peace, and because of peace, blessing. And then the last one, sanctification, that Brother Kyle mentioned in his prayer this morning, that emphasizes our usefulness to God, and we'll consider that in detail. So, We've already considered redemption. Let's now look at the doctrine of justification. The doctrine of justification reveals that all of us that have put our faith in Jesus Christ have been made right before the judge of heaven and earth, that we stand accepted, approved in his presence. In other words, the slate of our offenses, because we were guilty, we were sinners, we had offended our creator, who is also our judge, that we are accountable to as his creature. We offended him. But the doctrine of justification through faith in Jesus Christ emphasizes the fact, the work that Jesus did for us, that the slate of our offenses, and no matter how big that, that slate was, no, no matter how many sins were on that list, that slate of our offenses has been wiped clean, not simply pardoned, not simply excused, but the slate is wiped clean because the penalty was paid. The penalty for those offenses were paid by Jesus on the cross. And so our sins were put upon him. And when he rose, his righteousness was put to our account. And so now God, the father, the judge sees us in Christ. The opposite of being justified. Everyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ is declared to be justified in the presence of God. The opposite of that is to be accused and condemned. Every 
man, woman, and child is born in the human race as a sinner, guilty before God. First by birth, but then by practice as well. We're born sinners, and we are sinners sinners by birth, sinners by practice. We're guilty, but we no longer, those who put their faith in Jesus, were no longer on, under that condemnation. And that condemnation is death. The sentence of sin is death. And when you look at Scripture, you understand that death is a separation. Physical death certainly is a separation from the living. But spiritual, eternal death, the second death, is to be separated forever from the presence of the Almighty God. The source of all life, the source of blessing. And so the sentence of sin is death, to be separated from God. That's what makes hell, hell. In this world, even the, the, the vilest of sinners that you can think of, they're not totally removed from the gracious, merciful presence of God. They enjoy air. They enjoy the seasons. That's all by the mercy and the grace of the Creator. But there will come a time when there will be an eternal separation from the glorious presence of God. Jesus, by his death and his resurrection, secured for us the pardon of our sins because he paid the price of those sins. The just God had to judge sin. He couldn't just say, oh, well, I love you. That's what a lot of people teach about the love of God. Oh, well, it's okay, I love you. It's because he loved us. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say that he overlooked our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, should not perish but have eternal life. Not condemnation, not death, but life everlasting. That's what the doctrine of justification teaches us. Let's read Romans 5, and we'll read verses 16 to 21, where we get the scriptural foundation for this doctrine, one of the places where we get this doctrine of justification by faith alone, not by what you do, not by religion, not by ritual, not by joining a church, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. That one that it's talking about, the one who sinned, is Adam. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, the opposite of justification. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, that's directly connected to justification, being made right with God. The gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, Jesus did what was right in the Father's sight. He did the Father's will. He became man's substitute to pay the debt of our sin. By one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. The offer is to whosoever will, resulting in justification of life, not condemnation to death. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. 
but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Now, those of you that have heard me preach for so many years, you know I like to harp on this passage because it's so precious. From time to time, you'll come across somebody when you ask them, are they saved? And you say, well, you know, I've sinned too much. God doesn't want me. Uh, I've just lived my whole life in sin, and I'm just too big a sinner for God to love me. That's a lie of the enemy. This passage says that the law entered. The law of Moses was given not to save people, not to justify us, but to condemn us. It was that ruler, that plumb line that God set that says, this is what it means to be right, to be righteous. And in and of yourself, you will never measure up. God wants us to know that we can never make ourselves approved to God in and of our own self-effort. That's what the law says. That's why the law was given. So you could say, I can't. The Bible says if you break one of these laws, of talking about the Old Testament, not just the Ten Commandments, but the, the entire five books, first five books of the Bible, you break any of those commands, you're guilty of all. In other words, you're a lawbreaker. You're a sinner. You're guilty. You're condemned. Do you see why it is so foolish for men to try to gain God's approval through religion, through good works, you're going to fall short. And the end result is condemnation and death. But here we see that no matter how many sins you've committed in the Greek, where it says where sin abounded, the word in the Greek here abounded, it means to increase or to augment. So the thought is the sins just keep stacking up. Look back over your life. As far as you can remember from, from a kid. <laughs> Anybody remember lying to your parents about something? Remember hitting your sibling about poking their eye out? You remember? You just kept stacking sins, and then you got older, and then you started lying about your taxes, and you used to <laughs> cheating in your business deals, and you just augmented one sin upon another. Where sin augmented, grace abounded. Now, in the English, it's the same word, but in the Greek, it's a different word. The word this second abounded is overflowed. Grace overflowed. So you see, it doesn't matter how many sins you've stacked up. If you accept the offer of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, his grace overflows all of them and brings forgiveness because the penalty for those sins were paid by Jesus Christ. The penalty was death, separation from God. Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We'll never know, at least in this life, maybe on the other side, we'll give a glimpse of what all that meant and to what degree. But the, the fact is this, the relationship between the son and the father at that moment that Jesus paid the price of my sin was different than it had ever been because he became sin for me and paid the price of my sin. But when he rose again, it was the evidence that the, that the bill had been paid, that the price was accepted. He rose from the dead for my justification. He put his righteousness on me. I put my sin on him. That's quite a trade, don't you think? I put my sin on him and he graciously put his righteousness on me. Now God sees me, the judge of heaven and earth, Seize me in Christ Jesus. Penalties paid. Just, right, 
in his sight. Having been declared to be just and righteous by the court of heaven, I now stand in favor before that judge. I have no offenses. Jesus paid them all. Any sin that I would commit, Jesus paid the full price once and for all. Even in our court system, a criminal who's been convicted loses certain rights as a citizen, right? But one who has no offenses before the court, they enjoy all of the privileges of a full citizen. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. I've been born from above. And so I can enjoy all of the blessings and the rights and the position of one who's been justified, one who is just in his presence. Let's go to Romans 3, 27 and 28. My justification, according to the teaching of Scripture, this is not just what I want to happen. This is what the Bible declares to be true. The Bible has proven itself to be trustworthy. I believe the declarations of the Word of God, the Bible, that they are God's revelation of what is true. But my justification is not obtained or maintained by my works. I don't keep myself just. My justification is based solely and wholly on that one righteous act of Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans three twenty-seven and 28. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, either that's true or it's a lie. You have to decide. God's word has proven itself to be exactly that, the word of God. I'm justified. I stand before the court of heaven without offense. That's not a declaration that I've never sinned. It's not a declaration that I don't sin. It's a declaration that God sees me in Christ. And his righteousness, which is without question. Once the penalty of the crime has been paid, even in our court system, let's say someone is found guilty and condemned, and they're, the, they're condemned to execution. It's a capital crime. Once that person has been put to death, they can never again be charged with that crime. The penalty can never again be executed on that individual. The penalty has been paid for that crime. They died. Jesus died my death. By faith, I identify with Christ. His death was my death. I can never be charged for those crimes. Not because I say so, but because the judge of heaven and earth has declared it so. Jesus paid the debt. I'm free to go. I'm eternally justified in his presence. That's what the Bible teaches There's nothing I can do to annul that justification. I didn't earn it in the first place. Those that think that they can earn their salvation or keep their salvation or they can lose their salvation, they don't understand the doctrine of justification. One day they wake up and they think they're saved, and the next day they they mess up, they say something they shouldn't, they lie, they do something that that they know is sin, and, oh, no, I'm going to hell now, I'm condemned There are Christians that live their life in that constant fear of the wrath of God. There are those that teach, if you don't have that fear of the wrath of God, you'll never do right. Again, the opposite is true. The only way for you and I to live a life that pleases God as Christians, as his children, is not to live in fear of his wrath, but to rest in his grace. 
We know that there are those that abuse the message of God's grace. Paul talked about those who make lasciviousness of the grace of God. They say being saved by grace eternally, well, that gives you a license to sin. Paul says, God forbid. That's not what it teaches at all. The grace of God tells you that because you are eternally a child of God, eternally right in the presence of God, now you can learn to live right. That's what the grace of God will teach you to do. Not the wrath of God, but the love of God. The grace of God teaches us to live godly. This is why it's important for you to know the doctrine of justification. It's not just a theological term. It's a work that Jesus accomplished on the cross for you. I don't fear God's condemnation. I don't fear his rejection. Now, when I fall short and when I do and say things that offend my father, then there is that conviction. Absolutely. But there's never a thought, oh, I've offended my father so much he's going to throw me out. He's still my father. He may deal with me severely. He may lovingly discipline me, but I'm eternally his because the judge is now my father by the work of justification through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. In the fifth chapter of Romans, when you have time, study it. And in that fifth chapter of Romans, you'll find seven benefits of having been justified by faith. Specifically, if you want to read the first five verses, which we don't have time this morning. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to read them quickly. And then I'll give you the seven benefits of having been justified. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll jump to verse 11. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, it's a past work. Once you believe in Jesus, you're justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. This is, this is how the, the doctrine of justification should impact the way you think. We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Jump down to verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice, glory, boast, is the Greek, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Seven benefits. We have peace with God. Nothing's laid to my charge in the court of heaven. I stand without offense. I don't stand condemned. The judge is not my enemy. I'm not the judge's enemy. He made me right. We don't spend our life trying to make peace with God. Some of you remember the old westerns before someone get, gets ready to shoot someone says, make your peace with God. I don't have to make my peace with God. God made peace. Jesus is my peace. The second benefit we see in this passage is that we have access or entrance, a standing, an introduction into grace, that is favor. Not only is God not against me, he's for me. He shows me unmerited favor. That's what justification does for me. Having been justified, Paul said, we have peace with God and we have a standing in grace. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you never need to fear his wrath. Never. We have favor with God. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. 
In the ages to come, he's going to show his exceeding riches of grace toward us, Paul says to the Ephesians. This is our standing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing, no one, no power, because I'm justified in his presence. James talks about added peace, more peace, as we learn to continue to walk in faith and trust him. Peter talks about multiplied grace. It just gets better and better. Because you put your faith in Jesus, you are eternally standing in that glorious, infinite circle of grace. But saints, being saved is just the entrance into that grace. Now you need to learn to walk out into the middle, swim to the depths of his grace, his favor that he has for you. But we can because we're justified. We have the hope of glory, Paul says. Number three, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Paul wrote. Because I'm justified, I know that death is not the end for me. I have a certain expectation of living forever in the presence of God. I won't suffer the consequences of those that are condemned to the second death. I have the hope of glory. This is why the, the suffering of this present time, it can't be compared with what God's prepared for us. Number four, because we're justified and we have that certain expectation of glory, we can glory in tribulation. Really? Can we do that? Yeah, we can. If we believe the doctrine of justification. We can glory in tribulation because the Bible tells us Romans 28, 28. And we know it's working for us. You may not be able to see it or understand it, but the tribulation that God allows in the life of those who trust him is for your eternal good. It's preparing you to rule and reign with Christ, which is forever. Your current trial, Paul says, is just a passing tribulation. Some of Paul's tribulations lasted his entire adult life since knowing Christ. But he says it, it's moment, just a moment these tribulations, but the glory is eternal. We glory in tribulation because we know it's working for us and not against us. Number five, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. The Holy Spirit reveals to us just how much God loves us. Not only is he not against us, not only do we not have to fear his wrath, not only do we receive unmerited favor, standing in grace, but we are loved by God. That divine love always seeks what's in our eternal best interest. So not only is he not out to get us, not only does he show us favor from time to time, but he's constantly looking for what's best for us because I'm justified. Number six, we've been given the Holy Spirit because we're justified. We've been given a comforter that has come alongside of us to enlighten us, to what the will of God is, and to empower us to do the will of God. The third member of the triune God is with us, and we can learn to surrender to him in the fullest degree, accept the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and then daily learn to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be under his control. Because you're justified, you have the Holy Spirit. Lastly, it says we joy in God. The word in the Greek there, it's, it's actually used several times in this passage, and it's translated different ways, joy, rejoice, glory. It's all the same Greek word. Our boast, our joy, is now in God because we're justified by faith alone. We don't boast in ourselves. If you thought you could always do what was right, you could say, 
you get to heaven and say, God, you need to let me in because I've, I've earned this. I've done everything right. Well, if you want to try that, go ahead, but I do not advise it. Our boast is in God. Our boast is in his grace that saved us, that keeps us, that prepares us for eternity. We don't fear God. We boast in him. See the judge on the throne there? That's my father. I'm his child. He loves me. Our boast is in God for what he did for us on the cross. Let's close with 1 John 3.1. I'll tell you what, let's, let's read two passages in, in closing. 1 Corinthians 3. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3 first, just so we know that we have a scriptural basis for believing what we believe. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23. Therefore, let no one boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours. In other words, for the Christian, all of these things that, that God allows in your life, they're for your eternal benefit. They belong to you. We're not victims. How many times do Christians fall into that attitude? Oh, poor me. So, so-and-so doesn't like me, or this happens, or that happens. Poor me, poor. I'm not a victim. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. All of these things, all of the things that I experienced, the good and the bad, they're for me. They're not against me because God's for me. And he's in control. They all belong to me. Verse 23 is the secret. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. I'm in Christ. The Father sees me in Christ. Now we can go to 1 John 3, 1. Our boast, our joy is in God, having been justified through faith. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love. Stop and look at it. Stop and consider it. That's why we take time for Bible studies. That's why we take time to read the Scripture. We're stopping and beholding just what degree of love it took for the Creator of heaven and earth to justify His vile creature that rebelled against Him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Saints, God, the righteous judge, is my Father. He's my boast. He's my joy. I rejoice in His grace that made me right with Himself. Let's close with a song this morning.